Ephesians 4, 17 through 25. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. This is the word of God. Let's pray together one more time. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for gathering us this morning. Thank you for the opportunity now to hear these words, uh, these words that are from you, uh, words that are not mere words on a page or on a screen, but they are words of life given to us. May your spirit give us understanding and allow our hearts to grow in affection for you this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, some years ago, I had a, a really bad cold, and so I went to the pharmacy to get some medicine, and the medicine that I purchased was one of those where uh, you needed to be an adult to purchase it because of some of the active ingredients that are in it. And the cashier asked for my driver's license, and she looks at it, looks at me, and then she says, gained a few pounds, huh? (laughs) And to be fair, she was not wrong. (laughs) She was telling the truth. And it kind of stung, to be honest. You know, uh, speaking the truth, it's not always about just sharing information, but there are times when you speak the truth, there's real power behind when you speak truth. Uh, And so we are continuing in our sermon series in the book of Ephesians, and we're in the section right now of this letter where Paul, he's describing to the church, uh, what does the Christian life look like? He begins to give us very specific guidance on that. Uh, So today we are looking closely at verse 25, uh, where he talks about the practice of speaking the truth. So we're going to look at three things today. Uh, First, put away falsehood. Secondly, speak the truth. And then lastly, receive the truth. So first, put away falsehood. Uh, Earlier in chapter 4, in uh, verses 17 through 25, uh, the Apostle Paul, he reminds the Ephesian church how there was a time where they wanted nothing to do with God. They had zero interest in him, uh, but then they started following Jesus, and he uses the language of putting off the old self, the old way of living that was not in line with the Christian faith. And then in verse 25, he uses this language again, where he says, therefore, having put away falsehood. And, and it's interesting that he uses the word falsehood here, uh, because this word, it has more of this idea of there's a slight distortion to the truth. 
as opposed to something that is completely outright wrong. And we see an example of this in the very opening pages of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, when uh, Satan is, uh, he tempts Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, before this, we know that God, he creates the entire world in fullness of life. He creates Adam and tells him that he can eat from every tree in the garden except for one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then Eve is created to join Adam in this utter paradise where they have access to everything. And then the day comes when Satan, in the form of a certain serpent, appears to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And then they start to have a back and forth conversation. But in this conversation, the serpent isn't completely contradicting everything that God had said before. You know, the serpent isn't saying, oh, you think God is a loving God? Can't you see that he's so full of himself and that we're just little pawns in his creation? He doesn't completely contradict God, but instead, he offers these very slight distortions of the truth. He takes the beautiful and the good truths that God has given and just twists it ever so slightly. And then what happens? With this very slight distortion of the truth, Adam and Eve, they focus on that. And then all of a sudden, their understanding of God being so generous, so kind, so loving, it then becomes, maybe God is wrong. Maybe his words were not meant to be followed, but they're just advice to consider. So putting away falsehood, it's not always so obvious because sometimes it's truth that's slightly distorted. And, and we might not even realize that there's anything inside of us or anything in our minds that we have to put away because it's so subtle. And because of this, we need the humility to admit that some of our views on how we see the world might actually be off. Uh, when G and I started dating, uh, one of our earliest dates was we went shopping, uh, Christmas shopping for our respective families. We were in a crate and barrel, and I saw this really nice OXO dish rack. And I immediately thought of my mom, because she doesn't have a dish rack. So I shared this with G, and then G responds to me by saying, you know, Tim, I don't know if your mom wants a dish rack for Christmas. (laughs) But instantly, I got defensive. You know, and I told her, you don't even know my mom. You've never even met her. And so what did I do? I bought that dish rack. And I wrapped it. And then on Christmas morning, I couldn't wait to give that present to my mom. So she gets the present. She opens it up, looks at it, doesn't even acknowledge me, puts it over to the side, and then just keeps watching TV. And there was a part of me on the inside that just died. Because I learned the hard way that I was actually wrong. 
I didn't have the humility to admit that my views of a Christmas gift to my mom could actually be somewhat distorted and off. So the danger of not putting away falsehood is that we, we continue to live with these distorted truths. And these distortions can be really hard to see because they might be more subtle and might be less obvious than we might think. And it's even harder when we might lack the humility to believe that we might actually be wrong. And instead, we think that we're right all the time. And not putting away falsehood, sadly, it can lead to relationships tearing apart. So first, there's this call to put away falsehood. And now we'll see, secondly, what it means to speak the truth. Uh, notice how Paul, he encourages, the, to the, he encourages the Ephesian church to put away falsehood and speak the truth. So to put away falsehood only is not enough. He's calling the entire church to be a community known for putting away falsehood and living with integrity, being honest, upholding truth. Notice how he says, let each one of you speak the truth. And so all of us, we have the responsibility to tell the truth. So whether we're outgoing or, or we might be timid, whether we're comfortable with conflict or we might try to run away from it, or speaking the truth just comes more naturally to us, or for some, it takes a lot of effort. All of us have the responsibility to speak the truth. But Paul's guidance isn't this free-for-all, just speak truth, get on your soapbox, and just blast people with whatever you believe to be true. At the end of verse 25, he says, uh, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Throughout his letter to the Ephesians, he, Paul, he's highlighting that the church is made up of a, is a community made up of individual people who are vitally connected to one another in mutual dependence. And this is why our, our sermon series title is Join Together, Growing Together. We, we exist as a community, as a people, as the body of Christ, made up of different members connected to one another in mutual dependence. And so, when we speak the truth, we should ask ourselves, are we doing this for our sake or for someone else's sake? When we speak the truth, do we care more about being right? Or do we care more that this is going to help build up the community? When we speak the truth, do we do it to show off how competent that we are? Or we, do we do it in service to one another? So the purpose of speaking truth is not so that we individually benefit from it, but so that everyone around us benefits. And so how can we be a community that's known to speak truth that builds one another up. 
One way that we can do this is by being vulnerable with one another. You know, there's something powerful and disarming when you're with someone or when you're in an environment where people are open about their fears, their struggles, or, or how they're not completely put together. And, and why is that? It's because when someone is vulnerable, it validates for us that we're not the only ones who have struggles in life that we're not the only ones who don't have it all together. So vulnerability, what it does, it grounds us in reality and in what is true. It's a way of speaking truth that is real and genuine and authentic. But there are times where we, we struggle with this, don't we? Because it's... It's not, it doesn't feel great to admit the fact that we don't have it all together. You know, who actually enjoys being open and honest about what our real fears are? And that's why instead, there, there's this urge within us to distort our true selves. Right? We don't want to be exposed as a fraud, and so we present a different version of ourselves that we know is far from what is really true. But this is why vulnerability is such a powerful form of speaking truth, because when someone admits that they are not okay, and that they don't have it all together, it gives us permission then to be our true selves. It opens up space to be okay with the fact that we are not okay. And so when Paul says, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another, uh, what could it then look like for us to lean into vulnerability a little bit more? How might we speak truth by being a little bit more open with our fears and our struggles? And then what could it look like to respond to that vulnerability with vulnerability? So Paul tells us not to only to put away falsehood, but also to speak the truth. But, but then where, where can we get the power and the strength to do this? Well, uh, that leads us to our final point. Well, we can put away falsehood and we can speak truth when we receive the truth. At uh, the very beginning of verse 25, it says, therefore. And anytime you're reading the Bible and you come across this word, it's, it's always a good exercise to look back to see what is that therefore referring to. And, and here, most likely, Paul is referring back to verses 17 through 24, when he describes who the Ephesian church used to be and who they are now. So the thrust of the letter at this point is Paul telling the Ephesian church, remember who you were. You were alienated from the life of God. And remember who you are now. You are created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So remember who you were 
and remember who you are now. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So the only way that we can put away falsehood and speak the truth is when we receive and we remember and we believe the truth of who we were and who we are now. The truth is that we were in bondage to sin and death, but now we are free to walk in newness of life. We were enemies of God, and now we are the beloved children of God. The key to putting away falsehood and speaking the truth is to see the way that God sees us. Uh, several years ago, G and I, we, we watched the TV series, This Is Us. Uh, it's a story about a family of five, and Kate is the only daughter. Um, there's a show where she has applied to the Berklee College of Music in Boston, and she gets to the final round. And so at this point in the process, she needs to submit um, a final voice recording. And when her dad receives this news, he's so excited that he, he wants to uh, videotape her uh, singing uh, to, to be able to send that to the school. Uh, but Kate just flat out refuses uh, that, that offer. Throughout the show, uh, Kate is somebody who's been struggling with body image issues. And in addition, uh, she's come to resent her dad for the ways that he constantly tells her how beautiful she is. So on her own, Kate is recording this song that she wants to submit to the college. And without her knowing, her dad is in the, in the doorway of her bedroom rec recording her. And then at some point, Kate realizes this and, and flips out at her dad, tells her to get out of the room. Her dad stops, apologizes, puts the camcorder down, and leaves. And then later on, Kate confronts her dad about how he keeps saying how she's beautiful. And she says this, you saying stuff like that to me was fine when I was a kid, but I'm older now. I don't see myself the way you see me, and no one else sees me that way either. So you saying it all the time, it just hurts. I need you to stop. So later, uh, we see that Kate is in her room, and she reluctantly picks up the camcorder and starts watching um, the videotape. So you see her singing her song, and then you start to notice uh, a mirror that's in her room, which then catches the reflection of her dad recording her. But it's not just her dad recording his daughter. It's her dad just smiling and beaming and adoring over her daughter. And as Kate is watching this, you see her physically just starting to relax and soften, and she begins to smile. Later that day, she tells her dad, I watched the tape. Don't ever stop. Don't stop trying to make me see myself the way you see me. And this is what Paul is trying to help us remember 
that God no longer sees us as his enemies, but he sees us as his beloved children. And how can this be? Because God would send his only beloved son to the world, and everything that was true of us was then put on Jesus. And everything that is true of Jesus was then put on us. What was true of us before is no longer true of us now. We were alienated from the life of God, but now we are created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so the invitation for us is to receive, remember, and believe the truth that you and I are a beloved child of God. And it's from this place of fully embracing the reality that we are loved by God, that we are adored by him, that we are his treasured possession, that we can then put away falsehood. We can turn away from all those distortions of truth that we have followed, that we have even believed. And instead, we can then speak the truth. We can use truth in a way that builds others up. We use truth in a way that amplifies the truth that God has spoken to us. So what might you sense God calling you to do in response? Are there some of you who maybe you sense an invitation from God to put away falsehood? Maybe there are some of you who, who have some tense relationships right now. It's been really hard. And maybe God might be calling you to perhaps have the humility to admit that maybe there's some truths that you've been holding on to that are slightly off and are adding to the tension and to these rifts. Maybe you sense God encouraging you to, to take courage, to be a, a little bit more vulnerable with those that are around you, to speak truth that you don't have it all together, to trust God that when you do so, you're giving permission for others to be okay with not being okay. And maybe God is calling many of us to take a step back and to really sit with the fact that we are a beloved child of God. Maybe before thinking about how we might speak the truth more, maybe we actually need to receive the truth more. And so what do you sense God calling you to do today? Why don't we take a a few moments to reflect in silence, and then I'll close us with a word of prayer. Let's go before the Lord and ask, what is he calling us to do?
Father, we thank you for the gift of gathering us here this morning and for these wonderful reminders that we are loved by the God of the universe. That there was nothing that we did that deserves your love, but you love us because we are your children. And you've come down to rescue us and to remind us time and time again, you are my beloved child. And so, Father, I pray that that truth would put away the many lies and the many distortions of truth that we sometimes hold on to a bit too tightly. Distorted truths about ourselves and how we see ourselves. Distorted truths that might bring rifts in relationships with others that we know. And so God, I pray that we would live as your beloved children and move to be people to speak truth, truth that builds others up. That we would be a church known for truth-telling in a way that encourages, builds others up. It, it amplifies the voice of God, that there is a God who loves us. God, may we receive and dwell and bask in that truth this day. Make us to be a church that is a truth-telling church for the sake of your name. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.